Rochester is totally responsible for everything on that fast ferry. He should have known better. If he thinks he's so smart, I guess he's wrong. I called this shot a long time ago that the fast ferry was going to fail. There did some really good projects uh, for Rochester, and I can understand why he's upset. And, um, but I do feel that this last project of his uh, really was a personal thing, and he really needed to let the boat go because we're going to be feeling it in our pockets for a very, very I do long not, time. And I will not allow anyone to gratuitously destroy my reputation. And as of today, the city of Rochester is stepping back away from the ferry business. This is Here You Are, Season 3, Episode 4, The Final Questions. I'm Reardon Ryan, and let's go back to April 2007. After a hard-fought bidding war between the city and multiple bidders, Mayor Robert Duffy settles on the German-based creditors, FRS. Four months and $69 million later, the spirit leaves Lake Ontario, never to return. In its wake, a fiscal and emotional phantom that will haunt Rochester for years to come. How exactly did it come to this? We turn to New York State's 53rd Comptroller, a man by the name of Alan Havesi. The Office of the New York State Comptroller is an independent party which runs internal investigations on city spending in cases of potential fraud, abuse, or fiscal mismanagement. On July 27, 2006, the office released a report on the Fast Ferry Project. The Spirit of Ontario was in hot water. The audit examined the financial records of Katz and the city from September 19, 2001 to April 15, 2005, and framed itself around two simple questions. Did city officials provide adequate due diligence when approving and monitoring the project? And... Were appropriate safeguards in place to protect the public's interest? Havesi detailed a number of concerns with the plan. Such concerns included a disparity between vessel capacity and demand, a lacking financial model, the questionable nature of CAT's existing equity, few returns on the service, a lack of interest from the Toronto public, and ultimately, the fact that there wasn't much time saved overall compared to other forms of transport. Essentially, Havesi believed there were a lot of red flags coming into this project, but instead of looking to other competitors, Rochester decided to take a chance on CAT's. Former Mayor Bill Johnson did not agree with Havesi's report and tossed their claims right back into the comptroller's face. I want to characterize this report by one word. It is negligent. Bill Johnson defended his reputation against Havesi's findings. He even characterized Havesi as a friend. However, those who have read the report may not find it to be too friendly. While the report aggressively broke down Rochester's actions, Havesi's own malpractice blew the boat out of the water, so to speak. He resigned later that year as a part of a plea bargain with the Albany County Court for using state employees to care for his ailing wife. In 2007, the former comptroller was fined $5,000 and permanently banned from holding public office ever again. In 2011, Havesi pleaded guilty to corruption charges concerning a pay-to-play scheme within the New York State Pension Fund and was sentenced to four years in prison. Okay. It's your host, Tom Fleischman. I'm going to step back in here for a second. So, Reardon, was this thing doomed from the start? Well, not exactly. Well, what do you mean? 
Well, there's another place with a story similar to Rochester's, where they put another fast ferry in the water at the same exact time. Really? Where's that? Well, let me tell you about Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So the Sunday after Thanksgiving, I drove through downtown Milwaukee to the shores of Lake Michigan. As I headed over the Hone Bridge, I could actually see cargo ferries out on the water. I turned right off the main road and then to a parking lot. The area was desolate. I got out of my car and walked around a bit in the large, empty parking lot. It was pretty gloomy and very windy. It's the off season now, but during the spring, summer, and fall, this port is home to another ferry service, the Lake Express. Ken quickly uh, corrected us on that this is not a boat, this is a ship. And you ride on a boat if your ship sinks. That was David Lubar talking about a conversation he had in 1999 with his future business partner, Ken Zizali. So a boat is a lifeboat, but a ship is what crosses the lake. Zizali and Lubar are the co-founders of the Lake Express, a ferry operating between Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Muskegon, Michigan. A ferry ride from Milwaukee to Muskegon bridges the gap created by Lake Michigan. Patrons of either shoreline can avoid the hassle of driving down and around through congested Chicago traffic and quickly cut across the lake to their respective destinations. Three hours and 10 minutes on a cushy ferry seems a lot better than the four hours and 27 minutes Google Maps predicts your car ride to take. The port cities are anything but random. They're an homage to the Lake Express's predecessor, the SS Milwaukee Clip. The first time around, it was a Michigan idea. Brothers Max and Mark McKee bought a steamer and refurbished it with the steel superstructure. For the early 20th century, an advancement like this was almost identical to the development of aluminum catamarans in the late 20th century. On June 3, 1941, the Clipper made her maiden voyage. During World War II, the Clipper would make weekday trips from Muskegon to Chicago and weekend trips from Muskegon to Milwaukee until the end of the war in 1945. She operated until 1970, embarking on voyages from Muskegon to Milwaukee year-round. After 1970, Milwaukee was understandably lacking in cross-lake transportation. Zizali, then director of the Porn Milwaukee, proposed the Lake Express as a remedy to that absence. And as a tribute to the Clipper, the Lake Express travels the same path. Like Prince and Delusia in Rochester, neither Zizali nor Lubar had any significant ferry experience but an unforeseen alliance was formed and the two men set out to find a ship that wouldn't sink. With the partner's determination, this leap of faith got tangible results. On June 1st, 2004, the Lake Express set sail, becoming the first high-speed ferry to operate in American waters. 17 days later, the Spirit of Ontario started making trips across Ontario. Both the Spirit and the Express stood on the shoulders of previous ferry systems and both featured nautical technology never before seen in the U.S. But at the end of the summer, the Spirit of Ontario was docked. The Lake Express kept going and has never stopped since. Starting up the Lake Express did not go off without a hitch. The ship model, a fully aluminum catamaran, had never been constructed within the United States. Most ships of this type operated in foreign waters. The more obvious solution would be outsourcing the catamaran. Unfortunately, the Port of Milwaukee was up against regulations from Uncle Sam. The Jones Act. 
Under maritime law, the Jones Act prohibits any foreign-built or foreign-flagged vessel from engaging in coastwide trade within the United States. In other words, since both Michigan and Wisconsin are in the U.S., any ships doing business between the two have to be built within the country. Project managers decided upon Austal, the same company that built the Spirit of Ontario. This isn't a coincidence. Austal was one of only a few companies in the world that built aluminum catamarans. But unlike the Spirit, the Express didn't have to make that far of a trip to its home port. To align with the Jones Act, the Lake Express is constructed in Austal's American branch in Mobile, Alabama. Since a ship of this style had never been employed within the states, this meant there was no system of training for ferry workers except outside the U.S. To make matters worse, there weren't many banks out there willing to offer loans, as few had experience dealing with maritime ventures. Venture capitalists don't usually get involved in something they have no knowledge about, so financing was an issue right off the bat. Lubar and Zazali were faced with a unique and completely unfamiliar venture ripe with dozens of risks and problems before even having a physical product. So they did a very big thing, a thing many of us forget to do. They asked for help. The thing they never tell an entrepreneur is that if you go it alone, you get 100% of the credit for a failed idea. You then own 100% of zero, and if you really want to, you can do a self-autopsy all by yourself. So it pays to have and to develop friends and supporters. That way, you will have someone to complain to when things aren't going right. You'll have someone to give you advice, even when you don't want to hear it. But ultimately, you'll greatly increase your chances of having a successful project because, hopefully, you're bringing people to the table who are smarter than you. The two met with dozens of ferry service companies to run the line. They presented their project over and over to these operators who remained wary. As in Rochester, they couldn't seem to find a partner who would be capable or willing to undertake such a risky project. The two believed that public operators would be unable to react quickly as privatized operators whose only prerogative was their current project. So with extreme patience, they waited out proposals and presentations until they found their match. According to Zazali, there would be no secrets, no backdoor deals, no cutting corners. In the meantime, the Port of Milwaukee did research. Having done initial market analysis in the early months of the project, the port continued to compare their results with further studies. They wanted to ensure that the initial interest wasn't dwindling. Each time a study went out, the port took into account the customer pool, the prices they were willing to pay for tickets, and whether they would bring cars, bikes, or the free-of-charge baby. Currently, the Lake Express offers both a classic and premier cabin with one-way and round-trip tickets available. The Classic Cabin offers varying prices for adult, senior, college students, and even a discount for active military. It's $161 for round trip, $95 for one way out of Milwaukee. The Premier Cabin prices are much more lofty. For a whopping $207, you can ride round trip or $117 to simply sail one way with an extra level of service. So the story of the Lake Express reveals one version of the Rochester Fast Ferry that might have been. 
The express in form and practice looked a lot like the Cats Run Ferry, a private company making a profit, but serving a small number of people who can afford the ride. Was this the best version of the fast ferry Rochester could have hoped for? Here you are in modern day Manhattan. It's five in the afternoon, and for most people working in Midtown, that means it's time to head back home. In a city like New York, there are many ways to commute. You could take your bike, take the subway. You could even walk a couple of blocks if you're close enough. If your home's in New Jersey, take a Greyhound from the Port Authority or a train from Penn Station. If you live in Westchester County, weave your way through Grand Central, take the Metro North up from the island, and enjoy a nice view of the Hudson River on your way back. If you have nerves of steel or enough time to kill, you could even brave the rush hour traffic in your car. Our trip today is gonna take us across the East River to Long Island City. But where we're going, we don't need land. In these past couple of years, New York City has experienced a ferry boom with new routes opening up as we speak. Other cities such as San Francisco, Seattle, and Orlando have been following suit. Even outside of the States, London, Dubai, Bangkok, Mumbai, Cairo, and Sydney are growing and developing their own ferry services. They've been proven to reduce congestion in major cities and have provided waterfronts with more accessible mass transit. As the world population continues to grow, ferries might reemerge as a more convenient mode of transport for the urbanites of the 21st century. Our ride across the East River cost us $2.75 a person for a one-way trip without a bike, but without subsidies from the city, it would cost us upwards of $27.50 a person. In contrast to the Lake Express, New York City's ferry system doesn't provide a huge profit for the city or the Port Authority, instead substituting large revenue for convenience and accessibility. It's here that we can find an alternate ending to our fast ferry story. Remember that Rochester service wasn't one operation. There was CATS and then the city of Rochester's iteration. One meant to earn a profit, another only needing to break even. One selling the experience of the ferry, the other the convenience. If the ferry was still running today, it would be hard to tell whether it would run like its Midwestern cousin or its tri-state counterpart. Last year, the Port of Rochester Terminal was set to be renamed in honor of Mayor Johnson. In spite of the fast ferry, and even after its last run, the Charlotte area and the Port of Rochester were able to develop, mainly on account of the Johnson administration. Go there today, and you'll find a public park, an Abbott's ice cream, and plenty of restaurants and bars along the waterfront. A 2016 report from the Bureau of Transportation revealed that New York had 43,557,550 passenger boarding counts, putting them at the second most boarded state behind Alaska. In all other categories, New York tops the charts. Perhaps projects like the Spirit were the shoulders these programs stood on, or the fast ferry was too ahead of its time. As we experience this boom in other parts of the country, perhaps the spirit will rise again, this time with the full support of the proud community that built it. I can't tell you the number of people who come up to me, still do, and they almost whisper, I rode the ferry. 
It was a wonderful experience. Too bad. We think it'll ever come back because we really need it. from the Department of History at the University of Rochester. Research and production for this episode was done by Ethan Weinstein, Anant Singh, and Reardon Ryan. Sound engineering for this episode was done by Ethan Weinstein and Anant Singh. The coordinating producer for this season is William Gusios. Executive producers for this season are Thomas Fleischman and Stephen Rastner. Music for this episode was provided by Dominic Hauser, Kevin McLeod, and Poddington Bear. Our theme song, The Ferry Boat Serenade, was written by Harold Adamson, Mario Panzeri, and Eldo Di Lazaro, and arranged by Eleanor Leno. It was performed by Elizabeth Ty, Lauren Bales, Eleanor Leno, and Diara Bell, and engineered by Ethan Weinstein. A big thank you to Maribel Johnson for agreeing to be interviewed for this podcast. The production team at Here You Are would also like to thank the following people and organizations. Thank you to Michelle Finn and the Rochester Public Library for their guidance and access to newspapers and research materials. Thank you to Colleen Law and WROC Channel 8 for access to their extensive news clips. Thanks to Melissa Mead from Rare Books and Collections at the University of Rochester for her insight into proper research methods and practices. And a special thanks to Sandra Nipsel for interview advice, Sophia Dokar for social media tips, and Janelle Hart for her graphic design work. For more information on this episode, including images, additional links, transcripts, as well as the rest of season three, visit hereyouare.com. Thanks for listening. I love to ride the ferry Where music is so merry There's a man who plays a concertina Together, happy as we sing together, happy with the ferry boat seven.